Esther chapter 2. After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was pacified, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what was decreed against her. Then the king's servants who served him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. Let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather together all the beautiful young virgins to the citadel of Susa, to the women's house, to the custody of Hegai, the king's eunuch, keeper of the women. Let cosmetics be given them, and let the maidens who please the king be queen. And let the maiden, sorry, who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. The thing pleased the king, and he did so. There was a certain Jew in the citadel of Susa whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives, um, who had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. He brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The maiden was fair and beautiful, and when her father and mother were dead, Mordecai took her for his own daughter. So when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together to the citadel of Susa, to the custody of Hegai, Esther was taken into the king's house to the custody of Hegai, keeper of the women. The maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness from him. He quickly gave her cosmetics and her portions of food, and the seven choice maidens who were to be given her out of the king's house, he moved her and her maidens to the best place in the women's house. Esther had not made known her people nor her relatives because Mordecai had instructed her that she should not make it known. Mordecai walked every day in front of the court of the women's house to find out how Esther was doing and what would become of her. Each young woman's turn came to go into King Ahasuerus after her purification for 12 months, for so were the days of their purification accomplished, six months with oil of myrrh, and six months with sweet fragrances, and with preparations for beautifying women. The young women then came to the king like this. Whatever she desired was given her to go with her out of the women's house to the king's house. In the evening she went, and on the next day she returned into the second women's house, to the custody of Shashgaz, the king's eunuch, who kept the concubines. She came into the king no more, unless the king delighted in her, and she was called by name. Now, when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, came to go to the king, she required nothing but what Hegai, the king's eunuch, the keeper of the women, advised. Esther obtained favour in the sight of all those who looked at her. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal house in the tenth month, which is the month Tebeth in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the women, and she obtained favour and kindness in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king made a great feast for all his princes and his servants, even Esther's feast, and he proclaimed a holiday in the provinces and gave gifts according to the king's bounty. When the virgins were gathered together the second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not yet made known her relatives nor her people, as Mordecai had commanded her. For Esther obeyed Mordecai like she did when she was brought up by him, 
In those days, while Mordecai was sitting in the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, Big Than and Teresh, who were doorkeepers, were angry and sought to lay hands on the king Ahasuerus. This thing became known to Mordecai, who informed Esther the queen, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. When this matter was investigated and it was found to be so, they were both hanged on the gallows, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles in the king's presence. Okay, so in this chapter, there has been a gap of four years between the last chapter. And you don't really know that um, unless you kind of pay close attention. But in the last chapter, it was in the third year of Ahasuerus' reign when he held that gigantic feast. And in this chapter, it's in the seventh year of his reign. So it's four years. And it's in between those years that he goes off to fight the Greeks and loses <laughs> in what's called the Second Persian War. And uh, if you did ancient history in school, you would have read all about, you know, King Leonides of Sparta and the 300 soldiers who held them up at the Pass of Thermopylae and all of those cool stories. And, uh, well, all of that happened in these four years. And, and um, you know, King Xerxes I comes back from that and he comes back to Susa and he's got no queen and he's been defeated. And, uh, but God blesses him with a new queen, Esther. And the process for becoming queen was complicated. As we've just read, there was a process of 12 months of beauty treatments and then they would have to go in to see the king. So this is basically, um, you know, this is the type of thing that, that uh, goes against all women's rights, <laughs> what's being done here. This is not good. Thank God, I don't think anything like this happens in the modern world, uh, as far as I know. And, uh, but basically these women were, were gonna go in and have sex with the king for one night, and if the king liked them, uh, he was gonna make them queen. If he didn't like them, they went out to this other place, which was the house of the concubines, and unless the king called for them by name, so unless they made enough of an impression that he would remember them, that would be it. So they were basically confined to being widows, more or less. They were married technically, as a concubine, they were kind of like married to the king, but he really had no further interest in most of them. And um, so this one night you have with the king, you know, if you want to be the queen, this is a big occasion. And um, I, I really can't put myself into the mind of Esther or someone in that position, what that would have been like. Uh, it's just an unimaginable position to be in. But the Lord was clearly with her and she pleased the king and she obviously listened to the eunuch in charge. So this eunuch is a man who's been castrated. So he's not sexually tempted by all these women. Um, he doesn't have the hormones in his body. They, they wouldn't have known that back then that, about hormones, but he doesn't have the feelings um, that a normal man would have. And he works with these women and he also knows the king and he knows what the king likes. And so he's working to get the women ready for the king and Esther's so smart that she says she, she is teachable. She listens to what he says, and that's one of the reasons why she becomes queen, is because she's teachable and listens. But it also, it's not the only reason. The main reason is that the Lord is in this. And I did tell you in the last chapter that God's everywhere in this book, even though his name isn't mentioned once. <laughs> so God is the one making these things happen. And it's the same in our lives. The Lord's at work in our lives, but so often it's invisible. You can't see it. And that's why we need to be people of listening prayer, people of still hearts, so we can observe the Lord. 
So there's quite a few places in the Bible where Jewish people get taken into places of high significance. So, you know, you've got Joseph in Pharaoh's court way back in the book of Genesis. Daniel, which we haven't got to yet in the book of Daniel. You've got Nehemiah and Ezra, both of them we've just covered. You've got Esther here. So you've got all these people, Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're all Jewish people that made their way up to very high places and none of them would have gotten there without the Lord's help. Esther is definitely in this same thing. And you imagine, you know, like going through all that she went through, being an orphan, a little, a little girl with no mum, no dad, her parents are dead, being raised by an uncle. She had a, a number of great difficulties in her life, but she learned to trust the Lord and she trusted her uncle Mordecai. And her uncle Mordecai is a picture of the Holy Spirit to us. And um, so she goes in and she, now I, my, my feeling is that her name is Hadassah because in, um, in this is it in this chapter it says Hadassah, that is Esther. So it basically from that point on she's called Esther. But I have a feeling that Esther is the name that she gets when she becomes the queen and she's called Hadassah before that. Now you might say, why do I have that idea? And I'll tell you why I've got that idea is because if you looked up the meaning of the name Esther, it's named after the goddess Ishtar. You know, Esther, Ishtar sounds almost exactly the same. And Ishtar was a Near Eastern god of love, sex, beauty, and war, and something else as well, which I've forgotten, wealth, I think. So um, she becomes the queen, but why would she give herself a name that's a name of a foreign god? You've got to ask yourself, if you're a Jewish person growing up and you love the Lord, you wouldn't call yourself the name of a foreign god. No, that's the name they give to her. Her name's Hadassah. Because that's why it says, Hadassah, that is Esther. Now, if you remember way back with Joseph in the book of Genesis, when he, his name's Joseph, of course, but when he became the prime minister of Egypt, they called him Zaph Nath Paneah, which was an Egyptian name, which means the gods speak and he lives. So they gave him a name that had reference to God. When Daniel becomes an important person in the province of Babylon, they call him Belshazzar which is named after one of the Babylonian gods, Bel. And uh, then Daniel's three friends, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're all given Babylonian names as well. So it seems like it's a thing. And get this, Mordecai, his name is based off the Babylonian god Marduk. So there's another name. So all of these people that are in these stories all have got, the, they're named after gods, but foreign gods. And it doesn't feel right. Uh, I don't like it personally, but I, it's, I realize what happens is, is when they get into these positions of influence, they get given these names and they get told, this is your name. And part of it is an attempt to erase, erase the Jewish way of thinking from them. And the Babylonians did this on purpose. You know, they took these people like Daniel and his mates into captivity and they gave them these new non-Jewish names, got them to learn the Babylonian ways, try to force them to bow down and worship their gods. It didn't work in the case of Daniel. But you can see it's all part of a system. So Esther gets given the name of Ishtar, which is the name of um, a god, goddess. Now, um, there are a lot of lovely Christian people called Esther now. <laughs> and that's fine because the name Esther has come to be a wonderful name. 
So when, when we think of Esther now, we don't think of those ancient gods. We think of the wonderful godly woman Esther in the Bible and all that she stood for. So the name has been redeemed, you could say. <laughs> and people might call their children Mordecai and all of that. It, these are wonderful names now because by the good lifestyle of these people, they have redeemed the names. They've turned something terrible into something wonderful. <laughs> so... Um, Chapter two, Esther becomes queen. She has now married one of the craziest men in the world. She has married the king of the Persian Empire, a hedonistic man who, who didn't think twice about killing family and friends if they got on the wrong side of him. Herodotus tells us that he was a hedonistic man who, who loved to get drunk. He did all the craziest things with no regard for others. He was basically a pampered palace brat. He grew up wealthy with everything he wanted and he didn't have much of regard for others. So we often think of the story of Esther as a great romance, but she actually married into very prominent position, but a very difficult one as well. And God no doubt picked the right person for the right job as he does so often. So Lord, we thank you for Esther. We thank you for her part in the Bible. Thank you that you know how to pick the right people for the right job. And I pray, Lord, that you would also help us with the work that you've assigned to us to do the right thing to. Much grace be given, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.